You know, we have times of celebration in life. We have holidays that we like to celebrate, and especially just coming off, some of you, you know, you did your Christmas and then set your New Year's resolutions, and how's that going for you right now, right? We're into March now. We have celebrations, not only of holidays, but we have personal celebrations of of weddings and wedding anniversaries and and birthdays. We enjoy those kinds of celebrations as well. But there are times in life where everything is not celebratory. There are times when life can be very challenging. But I want to challenge you with this thought that even in those minutes and those times and those days and those nights, we have something to celebrate because of the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus and the message of the gospel, which was just kind of portrayed for us on the the video, the good news going out that Christ died for our sin and rose again is the greatest news of all. And that's what we're going to focus and center around today, is the person of Jesus and the good news that he brings to each one of us today. And as we look at Jesus' life and obedience and then exaltation by God, I'm going to challenge you to take a step of obedience today. There are some of you who need to take that next step in your life and say, yes, Lord. And so that's going to come with the challenge as we look at Jesus. But I want us to think about as we celebrate the gospel, take your Bibles and turn me to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse number 9 this morning, Philippians 2, 9. Philippians 2, 9. It begins with the word, therefore, keep your Bible open because we're going to go back and look at and see why that therefore is there. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him, Jesus, the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And with that, let's, let's pray. God, thank you for uh, your word. Speak to us today. Lord, you know where every person is. You know what's going on in their heart and life. Encourage them in Christ today. Challenge us to be all you, that we can be for Jesus through the Spirit today. In your name, amen. We find in Philippians 2, 9, this awesome passage of God exalting Jesus and giving him the name that is above every other name. And yet, this picture doesn't necessarily just focus on his exaltation, but we see the verses before that showing us the humiliation of Jesus. That Jesus would step down from the glories of heaven, come into human form in the person of Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, humble himself and become a servant even to the point of death. It really is the exaltation after the humiliation of Jesus. I don't know about you, but when we think about being humbled, it's often not one of those things that we revel in, that we enjoy. What we find is is that pride really ruins everything. Pride ruins everything. When you've been around someone and they've accomplished something, but then they were so puffed up and filled with pride, they weren't fun to be around anymore. It's not fun to be around braggarts and proud people. We really find that pride is the first sin that's recorded. It was the one that caused Lucifer to get kicked out of heaven and also the sin that caused Adam and Eve to get kicked out of the garden. And pride is still 
thriving throughout our world today as the, maybe the most uh, and, and severe and greatest sin of all. And yet Jesus shows us how to live a humble life in Philippians 2, 5 through 8. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. But God did not leave him there. The great message of the gospel is not only the death of Christ, but the resurrection of Christ and the salvation that Jesus has to bring. So today we come and we celebrate the person of Jesus. And as we think about verse number eight in the life of Jesus, that's the first thing that we're called to celebrate. Notice back with me in verse number eight. We celebrate that life and victory of Jesus. Notice verse number eight. He was found in appearance as a man. We celebrate the victory of Jesus and we celebrate this victory that Jesus experienced in his life. We see the experience of Jesus' life. Now, what happened in Jesus' life? Well, Jesus faced temptations just like you and I do, Hebrews 4.15 says. That he faced and was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Was Jesus tempted by pride? Was Jesus tempted with the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes, the pride of life? Yes, he was. Matter of fact, Jesus has his baptism, is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and then he faces the temptation. The devil says, hey, why don't you take these stones right here and turn them to bread? Surely you can do that, and everyone will see and be amazed, and you can feed yourself. Hey, I'm going to take you to the pinnacle of the temple. And the, the Bible says that the angels are not even going to allow your foot to be dashed or your toe to be stubbed. So just leap off the temple and enjoy the life of pride while everyone watches the angels catch you. And then he takes him to a high mountain and says, all of these kingdoms can be yours if you will just bow to me. And we find that Jesus resists them all. Jesus was victorious in life because he lived a sinless life in all points tempted, yet without sin. Jesus never sinned. As we look and we think about his life, his life was far different than our life. Never a thought, never a word, never a deed that brought sin into his life, that poisoned or corrupted him. We see the victory of his life. Have you ever given in to pride and then turned out looking like a fool? A few years ago, I've shared this story. It's been a while, been a few years ago. A few years ago when I was in middle school, my sisters uh, were working at a restaurant and I had a message. These were before the cell phone days. And so I had a message that I had to bring from my parents to my sisters while they were working at the restaurant. And I walk into the restaurant where they are and I talk with them and I give them the message. And instead of turning around this way to see the big glass door that is there, I, I turned around like this and I said catch you on the rebound, because I was a really cool middle school kid, and there were a lot of high school kids around. So I said, catch you on the rebound, and my eyes could not see the glass door that was there, and I grabbed the closet door and walked into it. 
The sin of pride, always wanting to be someone, always trying to look like something, always trying to appear like we're popular and big and strong and, and, and financially stable. The picture is, is Jesus could have given in and he said, no, I'm going to follow the Father's will and not only follow it absolutely and completely, but obediently even to the point where I'm not going to give in to sin. He was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was a perfect lamb that was sinless. But we not only see his victory in, that he experienced victory in his life, but he experienced victory in his death. Because of his sinless life, Jesus was able to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Notice what it says, that he was obedient even unto the point of death. Why did Jesus die? Well, in 1 Corinthians 15, 3, it says this, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. That Jesus died to take the penalty for our sins. He died to pay our punishment. A few years ago, I uh, went to a court with a friend. He was a good, honest businessman, but trusted somebody who was untrustworthy, and so because of that, got in trouble. And as he went to court... They didn't put him in jail because of what had happened, but they did fine him. And he didn't have the money to pay. And I watched his kids, his adult children, stand and pay the thousands of dollars that he was fined. It, it wasn't their problem. They didn't do anything wrong. They didn't trust someone untrustworthy. Dad did. But when it came time to pay the fine, they paid it. And that's exactly what Jesus did for us. When Jesus died on the cross, he did not die just as an example of love or as a good example of how someone should live or as a martyr. Jesus died to pay the penalty, to take the punishment for our sin. Having done nothing wrong in his life, he did not deserve to die. The wages of sin is death. But we did and so instead of us dying, Jesus took our death. Now, physically, we will all die. But spiritually, we do not have to die because Jesus died on the cross for our sin. But the great news is, is Jesus not only experienced victory in his life and in his death, but also in his resurrection. Notice in verse number nine, as we see the tide turn and that conjunction, that contrasting conjunction, therefore, he was moving in the way of humanity and dying for our cross. But therefore, God took this one who humbled himself and exalted him. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. Remember in Matthew chapter 28, as those women rushed to the tomb on Sunday morning and the angel said, hey, don't be afraid. He is not here. He is risen. Come see the place where he lay. Jesus is not there. Or as 1 Corinthians 15, 3 adds on, Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture, and that he was buried and rose again the third day according to the Scripture. Today, we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is a picture of the death of Christ. When you take of that bread, it's a picture of his body. His body was beaten and bruised. 
He uh, was beaten for our sin. He took the punishment that we deserve. And as you take that piece of bread and you gnash it in your teeth, it gives a picture of what Jesus went through when he suffered on the cross. Then you'll take the juice, the fruit of the vine. That's a picture of his blood that was shed for us. And by partaking of that, we're saying, I am trusting in Jesus Christ alone and his blood as the only way of forgiveness. Today, we will celebrate baptism. And baptism is a picture as someone comes into the water, the picture of of the life of Jesus. And then Jesus died and was buried. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He rose again. Up from the grave, he arose. And the picture is, is because of that, there's our life as well. That we had sin in our life and God buries that and gives us a new life in Christ. So we have something to celebrate because we have someone to celebrate. And that is the person of Jesus Christ. We celebrate the victory of Jesus. But we not only celebrate the victory of Jesus. Second, notice with me, we celebrate the authority of Jesus. Notice what it says in verse number nine. Therefore, God has given him a name that is above all other names. We celebrate the authority of Jesus. And we think about the authority of his name. There are names that can be used, and when you drop that name, it screams uh, uh, an expert, someone who has authority, someone who is in control. And notice what we see in verse number nine, that picture of Jesus. God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every other name. Jesus' name carries authority. Now listen, there are a lot of names of Jesus that are used throughout the scripture. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 1, it says, My little children, I write these things to you that you may not sin. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Christ Jesus the righteous. He is our advocate. Revelation 1.8, he is the almighty, the alpha and omega. Revelation 3.14, he is called the amen. In Hebrews 12.2, he is called the author and finisher of our faith. He is the begotten of the father in John 1.14. He is the beloved in Ephesians 1.16. And it tells us that we as believers are accepted in the beloved. We're accepted in Christ because of what he has done. In 1 Timothy 6.15, it calls Jesus, it gives his name blessed. He is blessed. We find in John 6.35, Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. In Matthew 9.15, he is called the bridegroom. In Revelation 22.16, he is called the bright and morning star. In Joshua 5.14, we see that picture of the incarnate, pre-incarnate Christ as the captain of our salvation. In Matthew 2.4, he is called the Christ. In Luke 2.25, he is called the consolation of Israel. And in Ephesians 2.20, he is our cornerstone. That's a picture of of Jesus, who Jesus is. In Romans 11.25 and 26, he is called the deliverer. In John 10.9, he is called the door. His name is Emmanuel, Matthew 1.23. His name shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. He's called the everlasting father in Isaiah 9, 6. He is the express image of God in Hebrews 1, 2, and 3. It's a picture of Jesus. 
Jesus, his names. He is called a faithful witness in Revelation 1.5. He is the first and the last in Revelation 1.11. He is the firstborn over creation in Colossians 1.15. And the firstborn from the dead in Colossians 1.18. Jesus is a friend of sinners in Matthew 11.19. Aren't you thankful for that? If Jesus wasn't a friend of sinners, we wouldn't have any reason to be here today. He's called the gift of God in 2 Corinthians 9, 15. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. He is called God in John 1, 1. He is Jesus. He is the heir of all things and the head of the church. He, he is our high priest in Hebrews 3, 1. He's the holy one of God in Mark 1, 24. He is the I am in John 8, 58. Jesus, as, as he looks at those who are, are, are despising him, would declare before Abraham was, I am. Going back to show his deity. His name is Jesus. He is the judge in Acts 10, 42. He's the king. In Matthew 27, 37, he's called the king of the Jews. In Matthew 27, 42, he's called the king of Israel. But in Revelation 19, 16, Revelation 19, 11, it gives a picture of one who comes riding in on a white horse and on his head are many crowns and his eyes are like blazing fire and a sharp two-edged sword comes out of his mouth and he's wearing a robe dipped in blood and his name is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus' name carries authority. He is the king of kings and he is the Lord of lords. In John 1 John the Baptist would point to Jesus and say, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the light of the world in John 8, 12. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah in Revelation 5, 5. He is Lord. Do you remember doubting Thomas? Doubting Thomas said, look, I I don't believe that you guys actually saw Jesus. Not until I place my hands in the prints of his hands will I believe. And the next week, Jesus shows up. And in John 20, 28, Thomas declares, my Lord and my God. That's who Jesus is. He is Lord. He is God. He is a man and a mediator in 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, where there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ, Jesus. He is that mediator. He's also the Messiah. He's the man. He's a mediator. John 1, 41 says he's the Messiah. In 1 Timothy, uh, as, as it calls him the man and mediator, then John calls him the Messiah, but Isaiah 9, 6 calls him mighty God. Now you tell me, how do you wrap up in one person One who is a man, one who is the mediator between God and man, one who is the Messiah, and one who is the mighty God. You wrap that up by understanding God has given us a great and precious gift in the person of Jesus. We have someone to celebrate. He's our ransom in 1 Timothy 2.6. He's the one who pays the penalty for our sin. He's our redeemer in Isaiah 59.20. He's called the resurrection and the life in John 11.25 and 26. He's our savior. Do you remember when the angel came to the shepherds and said, Behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
We have a good group today. And I can say one thing about all of you. You're sinners. And that's why God sent a Savior. That's why God sent a sacrifice in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 2. That's why God sent his Son. Jesus is called the Son of God in John 20, 31. He's called the Son of Man in Luke 19, 10. He's called the Son of Righteousness with healing in his wings in Malachi 4, 2. It's the picture of Jesus, the names of Jesus. He's called the teacher in the true vine. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's our wonderful counselor. He's the word. That's who Jesus is. That's why we have a reason to celebrate. We celebrate the name of Jesus, but we understand that God has given Jesus not just a name and not just names that give a description of who he is, but a name that is above every name. Jesus is Lord. Jesus' name carries authority. But notice what it says in the text, that every knee is going to bow to his authority, that God has given him a name that is above every other name, and that one day every knee is going to bow, and it starts in the heaven, every knee in heaven, on earth and under the earth. One day every knee is going to bow. We start in the heavens, the seraphim, the cherubim, all of the angels and the heavenly created beings are one day going to bow before Jesus. They do this every day. This is their life. Let's go down below. The principalities and the powers and the spiritual wickedness and the demons and the devil himself one day will bow the knee to Jesus. Then look around here on the earth. Look around on the earth. One day... The atheist and the agnostic and the antagonistic and the apathetic are going to bow their knee to Jesus. One day, the scientist and the evolutionist and the philosopher and the intellectual, they're all going to bow their name, uh, bow uh, their knee to Jesus. They're all going to bow to Jesus. You think about those who are involved in all of the world religions They're believers in different things. One day, every knee is going to bow to Jesus. We think about those who are in a culture of Christianity. Maybe they've walked through a class. Maybe they go to a class. Maybe they've been to uh, uh, partaken of the Lord's Supper and they've been through the baptistry and they've done all of these things. And Jesus has been around everything that they've done, but they don't have him on the inside. The superficial believer who is playing a game on the outside and maybe fooling everybody else is one day going to bow the knee and understand that Jesus is Lord and that they missed having him on the inside. I don't know where you are today, but I will tell you that it's a lot better to bow and bend the knee now than later. Today we bow and bend the knee in adoration because of who Jesus is. In that day, they will bend the knee in humiliation, declaring that Jesus was right They were wrong, and they will face an eternity without him. Every knee will bow, and every tongue, every tongue will confess who Jesus is. Notice what it says as we think about this this picture of of the tongue, Philippians chapter 2. Every tongue should confess. 
Every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess his authority. About 60 years after the book of Revelation was written, there was a man who was the bishop of Smyrna, the head of the church of Smyrna, about 150 A.D. He was an old man at this time. He actually had been discipled by the apostle John, who had been exiled to Patmos and wrote the book of Revelation. This old man was told basically this, this old preacher, you will take a pinch of incense and you will proclaim Caesar Curios, Caesar is Lord. He refused. He was taken to court and tried. He was found guilty of not bowing to the Caesar as the authority. And as he was being taken into the stadium to be burned at the stake, the captain of the police, and actually the captain of the police got his own father, an older man, and asked the question, Don't it har- what does it really harm to just take a pinch of incense and declare, Caesar Curios, Caesar is Lord? And this old man named Polycarp said, Eighty and six years I have served him, and he has done me no wrong. How can I do such a thing and blaspheme my king who saved me? And with that, he was burned at the stake. Can I tell you, one day, every Caesar and every czar and every emperor and every every dictator, and every leader, and every ruler, and every king, and every queen, and every prince, and every president, and every pharaoh will bow, bend the knee, and proclaim, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. We celebrate his authority. Then notice at the end of verse number 11, we wrap up with this very quickly. He says in verse number 11 that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. We celebrate the glory of God through Jesus. We celebrate the glory of God through Jesus. That Jesus in his life gave glory to God. Everything he did in John 17, 4, he says, Father, I've glorified you by finishing the work that you've had for me to do. And here's the challenge that I have for you today. Have you confessed that Jesus is the Lord of your life and been saved to the glory of God? Have you confessed that? Listen, do it today. Some of you are in a spiritual uh, no man's land right now. You don't know where you are and you don't know where you stand with Jesus. I'll tell you, not good enough. It tells us that one day every knee is going to, 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 to bend and bow before him. Every tongue is going to confess. Today is the day. Second Corinthians chapter 6, it reminds us now is the acceptable time and today is the day of salvation. If you've never received Jesus in your life, you need to understand because of your sin, you don't deserve to go to a perfect heaven with a perfect God, but God made a way by Jesus taking the punishment of our sin, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, he offers us the free gift of eternal life, forgiveness. Have you confessed Jesus as Lord? 
Well, let me ask you this then. If you've confessed Jesus as Lord, are you living to the glory of God? Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 31, it says, whatever you do, whether you eat, you drink, whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Are you living to the glory of God? I mean, in the mundane things like eating and drinking. I mean, as you go to work and as you're in your neighborhood and as you're in your home and as you're before your computer and as you're doing your homework and as you're doing work around the house, are you doing it to the glory of God? And then, are you serving to the glory of God? Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It's a matter of getting involved and doing something good, doing good work. And that's why we have a ministry fair. We don't want anyone to have an excuse and say, Lord, we didn't know what to do. We didn't know how we could help. We didn't know what we could do. And here's the answer. Jesus says, get in and serve. Come, take a step today.